and welcome to Into You, the podcast where I take a deep dive into getting to know the best you. My name is Adam Strawn, and today I have with me an online coach who helps to motivate people in developing their bodies and mindset. He's originally from the northeast of England, but currently resides in Jamaica, and has been a friend of mine since 2013. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Glenn Paul. How are you doing, mate? I am brilliant, mate. I appreciate you asking us to do this, to be fair. I was, yeah, I was looking at some of your previous guests, and I was like, what do you want me on here for? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm fucking no one. Well, to be fair, like you've got such a wealth of like career choices, which obviously we'll get into in a bit as well. But obviously, you know, like we've known each other since 2013. We've been on a bit of a journey as well. But especially, sure. you know, like everything that you've gone through. And I think I've kind of broken it down to three main stages of life. But obviously, we'll go into those as well. But I just think it's interesting. And that's the whole point of the podcast, isn't it? Where I know you, do you know what I mean? But I think yeah, yeah. your experience and what you've been through is really interesting to share. And I think if anyone can benefit from that, then it's the whole point of having you on, right? That's it, um, mate, I suppose. Yeah. You sold it to me. So, <laughs> so you're not going to log off, no? No, 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 no. I'm here, I'm here for the long run, mate. I'm here. I'm in. So, um, yeah, how's your week been, Glenn? What have you been up to? Obviously, it's like baking hot in Jamaica, so currently avoiding uh, that with the water. <laughs> no, yeah, mate, I was about it. Um, to be honest, my week is the same as it sort of was in the UK. It's that... I'm still just sat at a computer all day and like coaching people and just sort of like looking for new clients. And, and I basically treat like Instagram the way I used to treat the gym floor in the sense that if I see someone struggling with something on Instagram, I'll just drop them a DM and just sort of offer them some advice. And the gym floor is a little bit different in the sense that they can't ignore you. Like they're there, like, they're, mm. <laughs> like they can't just look at you and they just do nothing. Even yeah. if they're going to be rude, they still have to sort of acknowledge it. Whereas with, um, with, the online coaching, some people will just sort of be like, oh, thanks, I appreciate it. But like what I tend to find is people don't want to sort of seem like they need help. So they'll be like, oh, yeah, mm. no, no, I think I'm fine. And then like you'll, you'll post something on Instagram that they maybe relate to and you'll get a message from them a week later. So it's, it's more just about making your presence known in anything yeah. else. Cool. So um, how are you doing with clients and everything? You, that just keeps you busy on a day-to-day basis, I guess? Pretty much, yeah. Like yeah. everyone's because everyone's always got questions, you know, like everyone's mm. always got something they need addressed. And I feel like if I focus on the small details, then the big details just sort of fall into place. I feel mm. like as long as I keep on top of people and they feel like they can get in touch with me whatever they want, yeah. I give them the advice they need. It doesn't sort of matter where I am in the world. I can still do my job. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Obviously, as you say, like, you know, you're in Jamaica, like obviously you were in the northeast of England, but you've still got a client base. Do you know what I mean? And it's it, I think being online as well can offer a lot of perks in terms of you can reach so many people around the world rather than just being in person in the Northeast. So in terms of growing a business, you know, you've thought about that really well and that's incredible. It's great to hear that it is like progressing and going, you know, doing well like that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fun. You know, it's, I actually prefer mm. this to being on the floor and doing PT because oh, wow. yeah, it's like, it's what gets to a point when you're PT and with people like you're just on the floor counting reps mm. like once they sort of know what they're doing and you've sort of critiqued the form to the point where, you're just sort of taking them through the program. You're like, it's beneficial to them. And it's beneficial to me in the sense that you can still correct little things, but that you're just sort of there for someone to have a chat with. Yeah. And like PT isn't cheap and yeah, people are happy to pay it. Like to the sense that they are paying it and they never complain, but mm. I feel for what people pay for online coaching, you, you get a lot more yeah. because I get them to film what they're doing send it to us so I'm still fixing the technique and I'll get them to do it every single time until I'm like, right, that was absolutely perfect. Do is one or two more perfect ones and I'm happy for you to just crack on with that exercise as long as you can connect to it and it's, it's one you like, then we'll mm-hmm. just keep that in your program. We'll keep going with it. But it's the 
as, as a PT, like, because you're just on the floor all day, every day, you don't get to do the coaching side of it. Like you don't really get to explain to people why they want to be eating certain kinds of protein over the other. And you don't really get to explain to them like that carbs aren't just carbs and that, you know, simple carbs are going to break down quicker and, and they're going to give you a big dose of energy. Whereas the reason I don't like people eating starchy carbohydrates is because I just think fat is way better as a slow releasing energy source. And you can sort of touch on that during mm-hmm. a PT session, but because you've, what you've worked on is the actual workout. You want them to understand what they're doing and why you mm. don't get to give them any of that little coaching advice from the outside. So I prefer yeah. what I'm doing now, to be fair. Yeah. And you know what? Like a lot of that comes into, as you said there, like communication and connection and accountability, really. For all that, yeah. we are accountable for ourselves massively. But when you've got somebody who, you know, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis is checking in with you, you know, you've got to really give it, you know, your game. That's why they're coming to you at the end of the day. So you can check that they're still making the progress that they want to make. Um, whereas as you say, with a PT session, you might see them once every two weeks or whatnot. And even then you might not go into as much detail as everything that you've just said there. It's basically, let's just crack the reps out and then see you next week. Whereas obviously, you know, you've got much more of a connection with your clients. You get to know them on a personal basis. You get to know their yeah. strengths and weaknesses, their goals and everything like that. And then you help them reach that, which is incredible. It's what you do, right? Yeah, it's sick. Like I had a um, one of my clients the other day. Um, just hadn't heard from him, and he sort of struggles with training and stuff like that, and and just get keeping himself motivated. But hadn't heard from him for a couple of days. He hadn't logged any nutrition. He hadn't logged any workouts or anything. So I sort of messaged him, and he didn't respond. So the day after, I was I was on the computer all day. So I sort of was like, I text, set up a text. I tried to ring him, and I, he didn't answer. So I set up a text like, I'm on the computer all day, so I'm going to ring you every hour on the hour. <laughs> until you answer the phone. And I pretty much got a text for you like straight away, like, oh, I'm not free, I'll answer. So he answered the <laughs> phone and we sort of had like a maybe 45 minute chat on the phone about what was going on and had nice. nothing to do with the program, had nothing to do with the diet or anything like that. He, he, he'd had a bad day at work mm. and it, it, he just let it sort of ruin his week. And mm. so me and him just had a chat about it and sort of changed his perspective on the situation and said what he could do going forward. And he was like, oh, I feel like I've just wasted like the last four days. I've just been in bed feeling like I can't move and I just had no energy to do anything. He's like, I already feel better. And then on Friday, so yesterday, I got a text off from being like, I've hit every gym session this week. I feel amazing. My diet's been on point. And it's like, I said to him, like, look, like if you could, you've lost four days. So let's say yeah. next time it takes you a day to ring me or a day to get in touch with me. Mm. You've, you've, you've like, reduce that time that you've been immobile by a third. And if mm-hmm. that goes from four days to one day, then it goes from one day to 12 hours. And it goes from 12 hours to six hours or six hours to on, like if you had a bad day or anything happened to you and you just ring me immediately and then we just talk about it and it changes your perspective and you go home, like it's not affected you at all. No. So I was like, it's, it's just about breaking it down to those little points where it's just little bits of improvement every day or every week mm-hmm. or every month, whatever. Yeah. And what great feedback for you, Glenn, as well. Like, you know, to hear that, you know, he's now gone out there and he was having, I mean, his mindset was in a really low place by the sounds of it. And now he's come back and like absolutely kicked ass, you know, and then you've said like, look, now we've got something in place where if that happens again, we can help to tackle that in a much better way in a much, you know, more progress driven way, so, so to speak. But yeah, man, that's cool. And that is something which I can definitely speak for because if you go to cast your mind back 2013 yeah, no when, when we met. So I was not a, I was not a gym goer. 
Um, I didn't really give any thought to kind of health in, to, in regards to kind of building myself up at the gym, so to speak. I'd lost weight um, and that was the first thing. But yeah, I kind of just maintained that really. But then I was taking a train down to London to Eurogamer Expo. And then, yeah, met uh, a certain somebody at the expo. And then, yeah, I think it just went from there, really, didn't it? Where we, we were chatting and then kind of found out we were from the same area, roughly. And then, yeah, and then just kind of the friendship blossomed, so to speak. But one big thing, obviously, that, you know, I'll always be thankful for you for, Glenn, like a couple of things, obviously, few of them you, you obviously know about. But uh, one of them is definitely that you were my introduction to the gym. You know what I mean? Like, I'd never, ever like even step foot in the gym prior to us meeting. Do you know what I mean? So it was always something I'd wanted to do. But again, yeah. it was just that thing where I was like, I feel like I need somebody who knows what they're doing and has done this before, like knows how the machines work and just kind of guide me through it. You know, we, we were both like younger at the time, but still it was that boost of confidence where, you know, once we'd like, because we were going really regularly, we were going like right. maybe it was like five, five, six days a week. Yeah, but yeah, so. literally like we were hammering we it. We were coming so, a long way as well. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, fucking hell, if I was a PT. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, like you were doing that because you were being a mate, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't yeah, paying for that or you were, you were yeah. a coach or anything at that point, but you were just doing it to help me. So obviously I really do appreciate that. And that's stuff that I've taken with me on board. And I you know, obviously I still go to the gym now, but had I not had that, you know, who knows whether I would have like even been at the gym now. So honestly, man, that was a, uh, that's something that benefited from our friendship from massively. But, um, absolute pleasure, dude. <laughs> absolute pleasure. Yeah. It's all in the job, right? But, that's um, it, that's it. so yeah. So when we met at the time, Glenn, so this is what I meant when we were talking earlier, obviously, you know, you've had like a really varied kind of stages of your career, shall we say, before you got your online coach. So when I first met you, you, know, you were a welder, right? So you were obviously welding. Um, this was your full-time career. That's what you were doing, you know? And then, so talk us through, obviously, like that job, like what were you doing? Where were you welding? Like, just talk us through that. Um, so I think when we met, I was still sort of doing my apprenticeship at the mm. time. I was, um, I was working for a company who, they, they did all sorts, to be fair. I think at the time they were doing like they did some oil and gas stuff and they did a lot of like um, HVAC stuff, like heat and ventilation, air cooling, mm. like LTH stuff. Um, so I was just basically with pipe work, it was whether it was carbon steel pipe work, stainless steel, just like different materials. So you was just essentially just banging pipe together and gluing it up, you know? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it wasn't like necessarily that interesting but it paid all right and mm. as far as i was concerned everyone was like oh like you're dead lucky to have a trade like it's everyone's like sort of saying like you're on the right path you're doing the right thing yeah. and especially like lads who are already in the game like when you sort of see the money they're making or like it does inspire you to keep driving forward and yeah the reality is the game's full of dickheads basically mm -hmm. like and it's not like talk badly about people but there's people who've been in that industry way too long and have not enjoyed it at all. And they're still okay. in it and they've been in it for like 30, 40 years. And they just, they take out their frustrations that they haven't lived the life they've wanted to on everyone else. And they just become bullies. Mm. Um, when I was younger, I didn't really know how to handle it. And even though I was like confident and I was like, at least to an outsider's perspective, I was still very sort of insecure. And if, if someone was like older than us or an authority figure, I would sort of just let them walk over us, you know, and it mm -hmm. didn't do a lot for my self-esteem. Yeah. And that was sort of like my whole time working as an apprentice. But when I decided to go self-employed, uh, well, leave the company after sort of five years, five, six years, I went self-employed for a couple of years and um, started like working away for myself and was just sort of sub subcontracting because my, rate of work was a lot higher than a lot of other subcontractors because I basically worked for a company who just want 
just like slave drivers basically and i mean mm. just like wanted as much out here if, if you stop for a minute they wanted to fucking know why you know so yeah i sort of took that work ethic going forward i was a lot i was producing a lot more than other pipefitters and welders so it, 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 it as soon as i started making a lot more money i became sort of addicted to that money going into my bank when when you're mm. having weeks where you're sort of pulling just over two grand a week and you're watching it go in your bank you, you just become addicted to it you're like fuck now like you can't spend it because you're working like 70 to 80 hours a week. Yeah. And you sat in like some stranger's house on a, on a nighttime. Well, I would just go to the gym and then I'd come home and I'd just be sat and I would, I would FaceTime my ex and I would just sort of, and then you just sort of like, you realize that the money's building up and you've got a load of money in the bank account, but you, it's hard to maintain friendships. It's hard to maintain relationships. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, sort of just got sick of it in the end. Well, I, I don't think I, I don't think I got sick of it so much more than I just realized that this isn't what I want to be doing yeah at all yeah yeah i mean i remember we had like many conversations about it and obviously it was like yes you know like as you said you had like money going in the bank you know you had bank at the end of the day but it's about that worth and kind of question you know well what's that getting us realistically yes i've got this money in the bank but my relationships in life and kind of what i want to do with my life and my personal development is suffering because of it so realistically like what am i getting out of it yes i've got like this really well-paid job a lot of people are saying oh you're so lucky to have this but that's fine that's their perspective but what about my perspective what am i getting out of this and that's the point when you know i think the wheels started turning i think you really started to think right what do i really want to do and i think you know that's pivotal in all careers really you know and you hit the nail on the head when you said that there Glenn is that people they kind of when the money starts coming in they get settled to stay in the same job for like you know 30 plus years and then they look back and think you know they get grouchy they get like you know resentful of everything where they're like oh I, you know I wish it's all right for you I did that blah 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 and they forget to realize that they are the ones that kept themselves there you know they're not oh, chained to that job they've just believed that that's you know what they've had to do so at least you had the foresight and the mentality to go do you know what nah like I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and do some soul searching. I tell you what it was, was um, like everyone in the industry, as far as I'm concerned, a lot of people anyway, have got like a massive drug problem. And I did as well, like just being around it. I never ever like really ever did like any sort of class A's and stuff until I became a welder. And I remember, um, I remember when I, I remember the night I stopped, I was sat around with people like sort of in the mid forties, like who are the supervisors, managers, whatever. And they're all getting full of it. Sitting with like 20, three 24 year old lads and I remember looking going fucking hell this is going to be me yeah if I don't pack this in eventually this is going to be me and mm-hmm. the divorce rate for like subbies is insane like they've all they've all been like divorced twice and the, they've only ever like you can tell they've only ever like gotten women by just spending a shitload of money on them because they've got mm-hmm. it in the bank yeah and then and then they're back to working away for like two weeks at a time they'll go back home for a weekend spend a shitload of money on them but when they haven't got that work or they've got to try and raise a family when they're there every night you can tell that's when the problem starts setting in mm-hmm. because they're not right for each other and i sort of i think i found that with my with my ex was it was all right because i was only going home on the weekends but then as we were spending more and more time together there was glaring issues that were coming up like oh shit we're not really probably made for each other you know and it's, it's yeah those kind of things have got to be hard and i think the way most people handle that reality is to just get pissed on the evenings, ignore the misses and fucking gang shag a brass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like whatever they need to do to distract themselves from the fact they've created this life for themselves that they're not enjoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that it's basically that conversation about like letting money dictate your relationships. And obviously, you know, like that has many, many spirals in many, many different ways, but also like, as you said, like, the time that you spend with people, you know, like that's that's really what it, the worth is in. And that's when you figure out like the type of relationships that you have with people. So as you said, you know, that's when you figured out the things went right with your ex. 
But, you know, some people still don't figure that out, right? Like some people still just stay in that relationship because it is like that attraction of money and then they just stay because they've just decided to stay stagnant and obviously gone into things for the wrong reasons. It's really, it's unfortunate to see, but we see it a lot, right? It's more, I think it's got more to do with being comfortable in a familiar discomfort than going out in the unknown and not knowing what's going to happen. Mm, yeah. People are so sort of set in these cages that they build for themselves because they built it like, oh, well, you know, it's my cage. It's like, yeah, it's still a fucking cage. <laughs> Still a fucking cage. Get that on your epitaph. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously, I mean, the career itself, you know, I mean, welding, it's not like no one can just pick up like gear and start welding, right? You know, there's a lot of skill set and everything and skill involved in it, to be fair. So, I mean, looking back on it, like, what would you say in terms of like skills and development? What did you take from that career that you, you know, might even potentially still use today? Um, that that I'm a lot better with my hands than I, than, than I originally thought. Like, I always... Mm-hmm had this perception of myself that I just couldn't do things. I couldn't make things. And yeah. And sort of like, again, like as an apprentice, because I was sort of in this space where I felt like I was essentially getting bullied. It didn't really do much for my self-esteem. And I just felt, and I just kept making mistakes, not because I couldn't do the job, but because I like felt an internal pressure that if I was going to make a mistake, I was going to get told off or picked Mm. on or, or whatever. And then it would just, it would create so much tension in my head that I would end up making mistakes. I wouldn't be focused on what I was doing. I would be focused on everything external to it. But when I, what I really realized was when I came out of that sort of environment and started working for myself, I was starting, I was doing very well for companies who are sort of renowned for being difficult to work for because they expect like a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was just producing like way more than most people. I was, I was constantly getting phone calls for work. I was like, I was very sort of, well liked and I realized like oh I actually can't do this job I'm not shit at it and then I think I just got more addicted to the fact that people were actually sort of giving us some sort of positive affirmation to go from a company I've worked for like between five and six years where they just essentially treat us like fucking dick mm. the entire time to go from that to people being like oh you're actually quite good at your job you where uh, do, do you want to go on this job next and we'll, we'll pay you this much and the sorting little deals out for us and stuff I was like I was I think I was just more I, I liked the affirmation that I was actually, that I wasn't terrible at what I did more than, mm. and that, that's sort of what kept us working like these insane hours. I remember like doing, like, I think I did like 90 hours in a week, you know, yeah. and <laughs> bonkers. And it's, it's, it's not like, weld. it's not like I was just sat there just like, Oh, I'll, I'll just count the, like, you're welding the whole time. You're under the book the whole time. I remember like not being able to sleep some nights because, because my eyes were just felt like that had sand poured in them just from yeah. staring at a light all day. You know what I mean? Mm. That was another thing that, um, that sort of happened towards the end of my career as I was doing my, uh, my PT course and, and I, I left to, uh, to teach jujitsu. One of the things that was happening was like, I was getting double vision. So right. it was insane. Like I remember driving and I was having to like close one eye because if I opened both of them, I couldn't tell where I was going. It's fucking dangerous. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just from staring at a light all day. People were like, Oh, it's, it's magnesium deficiency. It's this, it's that, or any other thing. And it, I was just like, I don't feel like it is because it, it, it happened in 2019 mm-hmm. and I'd came off the welding for a little bit and started focusing on the pipe fitting and, and sort of went away, but then came back with a vengeance in 2020. And I, it, it was like, like I was having to like sit forward and like look up through my eyes to focus on things. Cause if I sat back like that, every, like everything just sort of disappeared and I couldn't tell what was going on. Wow. So it, it, it's just, it hasn't happened since. Yeah because I've obviously not went back to the welding, but that was, that was something that's making us think like, right, this is genuinely affecting 
my health now. Yeah. I didn't want to go and get glasses and stuff just because I was blinding myself for yeah. the sake of a paycheck, you know? Wow, man. How's your sight now? Like these days? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Solid. Fine. Solid. It's, I've always had like really good vision. That's why I was like, this isn't fucking good. This is really yeah. hard. You know, <laughs> I, I can't see things. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, as like- much money as you earn and you can't put a price on your sight. I mean, absolutely no way. So, you know, you definitely, for many reasons, did the right thing, but especially for your health, man. But you kind of, you hinted towards it there, Glenn. So obviously you went on to then you know, kind of training and then teach like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, I mean, that is, I mean, you might look at it and think, hold on, like a welder to like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, completely like a step in the other direction, so to speak. But I think just listen from like to your talk there, you know, something like that. And obviously you'll be able to tell me more, but just from the outset, you know, it takes a particular set of focus. You know, you kind of obviously realigning a lot of things when it comes to learning a martial art. And I think, you know, that type of level of focus is probably judging by what you were saying is what you were lacking kind of, you know, in the welding industry where you had so many outside pressures pushing on you from other people that it was kind of almost giving you anxiety. Whereas this Brazilian jiu-jitsu, just from conversations we've had, that level of focus has been something which is so unique, so trained and so apt for something like that. So, I mean, yeah, like tell us all about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, why you took it up. That was, yeah, that's a matter of thing. So I, I watch a lot of like, um, like Joe Rogan podcast and stuff like mm. that. And um, there's a few people, obviously, like I used to watch a lot of UFC. So I was always aware of what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was, but because I worked away a lot, it was never something I ever had chance to really take up yeah. or, or to even try. So it was just one of those things that was always like a nice idea, but because I was always working, it was it just wasn't reality. But I actually got a job working in Newcastle as a welder mm-hmm. um, on the Greg's factory in Gosforth. You know the one? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Putting, putting pipe work and stuff like that for there. So so I remember sort of, because I was at home, I remember saying to my ex, like, oh, do you know what it is? Since I'm back home, I'm actually going to look for a jiu-jitsu gym so that if I ever come home, I, I have somewhere where I can train. And then yeah, so I can have like a couple of months training there. And then if I ever have to work away, then at least I've got somewhere I know where I can sort of call my home gym, you know? So mm. maybe 10, 15 minutes after that, like as it, as it happens, scrolling through facebook and there it is like an advert for jiu-jitsu gym and i was like fucking hell there's there's, there's a meant to be gym. just yeah 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 and um so she was like oh well message them so i did and got straight back in touch with us and i was i think that was on the sunday and then i was there for the choose on the tuesday for my first class and just oh wow like, yeah yeah i was just like right this is it this is this is what i this is what i like doing more than anything in the world like that was mm. amazing yeah and i did i just i became absolutely hooked i was, immediately went to training like like two hours a day so I'd, i would finish work at like five half five i would just go home get my stuff and i would just go straight to jiu-jitsu start at half six and i'd be there till half eight mm-hmm. um and i would just i would just train like all i would just do as much as i could i'd be there saturday mornings and then would go and do like extra training on the sunday i was just got i just became obsessed but that was um i got into it at the end of december 2019 so i had like a week and then it was shut for christmas and then january when it first came, when it first opened like after the new year was that's when I was like proper, like just right, this is all I'm going to do. And I carried that all the way until March when the lockdowns happened. Mm-hmm. I um, I'd started working on a job at Bristol. So I trained once down there and basically I bought a load of mats and I was just training in the apartment down there, just doing yeah. like soul drills, just keeping myself fit, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a few were bought mats and we basically got to talking a few were and we're like, right, well, I'm working on a building site with 500 guys and we're all rammed in a canteen. So if I'm allowed 
if I'm allowed to work, because I wasn't putting in anything in particular, I was just putting pipe work in for, um, for, for a refrigeration site. In no way was uh, essential work, you know, but mm. because it was trades work, they can say that it is essential work. So it's like, right, so if I'm at risk for this job, I want to be doing jiu-jitsu. So me and a couple of lads, basically one of the lads had a shop and we just ripped it all out, matted the shop out, and we just got back to training. And so I was, I was working away Monday, uh, Friday. I would leave Bristol at about 10 in the morning, and I would mm-hmm. drive straight from Bristol to this shop where we'd like, I'd probably get home for about 4, 5 o'clock-ish because there wasn't really many people on the roads at the time where lockdowns were sort of happening. Yeah. And this was sort of like April times. So it was about a month after the fact. And we'd just train. We'd just like, we'd be there for like two, three hours at a time, just kicking the shit out of each other. Like, <laughs> like I would, I would watch stuff all throughout the week. So I, I would, cause I was training more like blue belts and purple belts, like people who were way better than me. So I would, anything I was getting beaten with, I would like study and research and practice by myself throughout the week. So that when I got to the weekend, I had like ideas and stuff that they were doing. I had like countless to them and I was getting really, really, really good. Mm. And when I think it was July, and I went to Iceland and trained at a gym called Mjolnir, which is yeah. like, it's one of the biggest MMA gyms in the world. Uh, we trained over there and I, I realized that my level jujitsu wise was a lot higher than what it was supposed to be. Like I had a lot of people who'd been training for years on end being like, I, I have no idea how you're this good. It's like, I just put all my time and attention into jujitsu. Yeah. I think like my relationship, my ex was starting to break down and I realized that I wasn't really enjoying my job. So my focus was going elsewhere. And so the only thing that I really had to give me any sort of respite from the fact that I was living this, I was living a life previously that I didn't enjoy. The only thing I really fully was like, this is what I want to do was jujitsu. It's the first time I'd ever been like obsessed with something, like yeah. completely obsessed with something. So I was getting very good, very fast. I was actually supposed to be, um, it was a guy called Max who owns a gym called Maximum Fitness in Gosworth. He asked me, in, I think it would have been February 2020. He, he came and asked me if I'd ever thought about being a personal trainer. Now I was already making plenty of money as well. There, so I was just like, nah, I've got a job. Yeah. And he was to, then he sort of explained like why he thought I'd be good at it because me and Max had started at a very similar time, but he only ever trained on the Saturday mornings just with him being busy at work. Mm. And so by the time it got on the Saturday, I'd already drilled everything we were drilling on the Saturday, like for 10 hours throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I would take the time to show him what he was doing because he's very aggressive. He's a very physical guy, but tell him to relax. I'd be like, no, no, like this is how you do it. And we'd, we'd go over it, we'd go over it. And you sort of explain to us that you're very patient and you, you explain things very well. He's like, I think you'd be a very good PT. And it was the first time someone ever actually probably come up to us and said, I think you'd be really good at this for these reasons. Like, I think you'd actually be good at this thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really ever have that support and that motivation put from someone else coming towards us just for no reason. Yeah. So he... um me and him were talking about like you give us an interview to work at his gym and you give us the job. And um, so I was doing my PT course and then building up to the, the lockdowns ending and um, Johnny, the coach where I used to train had asked me to not work for Max and to work for him instead, coaching <laughs> and, and helping with the, uh, the bootcamp classes and stuff. Cause yeah. you only need to be level two qualified, which I was. So I went and spoke to Max. I was like, well, I can't say yes before I speak to Max about it. And I went and spoke mm-hmm. to Max about it. And he obviously felt like he'd been snaked and that yeah. he'd been sort of done over, but he's really like, this sort of speaks about how nice of a guy he is. You know, he's like, look, he's like, I can see how much you love jujitsu. He's like, this is, this is what you've got to do. He's like, I, I, he's like, he's like, I'm not happy about it. And I do like, He's like, I do feel like a bit gutted because I wanted you to work with me. But at the same time, he's like, I feel like this is the right choice. So he's like, I'm, he's like, 
he's like, I also respect you coming to tell me as well. He's like, so he's like, mm-hmm. if this, this, he was saying like, if there was ever a spot there, there'd always be like a job there for us, which, you know, he sort of helped stay true to his word. But um, I just started working with Johnny and I loved coaching jujitsu. Like the fact there was people, like, I don't even train in like six months at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact there was people coming to my classes, Johnny never really helped us with anything. It's not like you would teach it. Go, all right, these are the classes. This is what I want you teaching. He was like, oh, I'll just give you free reign of what you want to teach. But like I was, I'd been training six months. The, like the reality is I think he did that because he just didn't care or he was lazy or whatever. He just like, so <laughs> I, but I couldn't, like I had this massive imposter syndrome because obviously I'd only been training six months. So yeah. I felt like I, I couldn't have someone turn up to my class and feeling like, they hadn't learned anything or the class was shit. I just mm. couldn't deal with that mentally. So I would just sit and study and just learn different techniques and watch instructionals. And I would just drill all day, every day. So that when people come to my classes, I had the techniques perfected so that if anyone asked me a question, I knew the answers to what they were going to say, or at least I could go and go away and, and give it some actual thought. And so I just, I got, again, I got really good, really quickly for doing that just from constantly putting all my effort into studying and get better at it. And, um, but the, the working relationship with Johnny just didn't work out at all. He's, um, mm. I had client, I had uh, members rather coming up to me and ask, they're saying they were thinking of leaving because the membership cost them too much. And Johnny wouldn't ever tell me what the membership cost because he didn't want me telling people. Mm. And I remember, it, and I, I used to say that to people as well. People would be like, oh, like how, like, how much is like the membership like? And I'd be like, I actually don't know. Johnny doesn't tell me because he doesn't want me telling people. Yeah. And, um, and then it sort of clicked that something wasn't going on. And some members were telling me that they were paying like in excess of like a hundred quid a month for some shit. And it, like most, yeah, like there's world champions in the UK who are charging like 80 pound a month for their memberships wow. in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so something didn't really add up for me. It sort of seemed like he was conning people and like, it wasn't really great. And I, I didn't feel comfortable being around it. That's one side of it. It was also the way he trapped me and like, I had a lot of friends at Sereni. I had a lot of friends who like I trained with and, and loved and they're all really great guys. And I hope they all do really well at jiu-jitsu or just do really well in life because like a lot of them came to see us before I left for Jamaica and I had yeah. a good time with them. But it, it was it was a difficult thing for me because I like I always used to let people walk all over us as long as like the situation suit. But like for me, in this instance, I was like, you know what it is? Nah, like I'm not going to kick up a fuss. I'm not going to slag the guy off and be like, oh, he's doing this, he's doing this. I'm just going to walk away. I like, yeah. I'm just going to decide that like, the way this guy's treating me, the things he's doing to me, it's like high school bullying. And I'm not going to bitch about him or slag him off or try and get people on my side. It's his business. He can run it how he wants. If he wants to treat me like that, I'm just going to walk away and I'll go train somewhere else. So that's what I did. And um, trained with a guy called Scott Ramsey for a little while. He, he just welcomed us into his gym, but it was in South Shields. So it was a bit of a mission. Yeah. So, but I would, I would train with him on my way back from work and we'd just get some good roles in. Everyone there, again, solid. I still speak to them all the time. And then I started training at, at um, Alliance when the gyms opened all back up again for mm. me and stuff. And um, and again, like Chris and all the guys there are solid. Like I've, I've got a few of them on as, uh, as clients who I'm training myself just because like they could see sort of my work ethic and and how I would eat and how I train outside of jiu-jitsu. And by the time I got training with Alliance, I was working like full-time as a PT and I was just busy. Yeah. So I'd, I didn't get to train jiu-jitsu as nearly as much as obviously I trained when I was doing it full-time. But I was still, I was still good. I was still learning things and I was still progressing, even though I was only training once or twice a week. And I, I put that a lot down to the fact that I was still keeping my body active with weight training and I was keeping on top of my diet. So it's, it's, it's worked out big style for us. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't look back at the, 
the situation that sort of happened to Serenity and think, oh, I never should have done that because I, I realized what I enjoyed about that more than anything was coaching, was actually yeah. like sort of showing someone who doesn't get something and coaching them through the process where they feel like, oh, all right, I get it. And they're, they're starting to see results. I realized that one-to-one relationship is what I enjoyed most about it. Mm-hmm. It could have been jiu-jitsu. It could have been anything. It could have been absolutely anything. And I would have enjoyed that me knowing something, them not knowing it and me helping them with it and sort of being patient and, and guiding them through the process. That's, that's what I fell in love with. So yeah. even though it wasn't ideal to the same degree, I've, I've had, I've had enough sort of introspective sort of realizations to know that if everything had been perfect at Serenity, I still would have been there coaching jiu-jitsu. I never would have been doing any of the things that I'm doing now. Yeah. I would have felt like if everything was going great and like you couldn't have convinced me to leave because I would have mm-hmm. been doing my perfect job and I never would have seen growth outside of, like out of that, I never would have thought to start my own thing and, and be working with people in the in the way I am now. So even mm-hmm. though it seemed like a massive negative at the time and uh, uh, something for me to overcome, it's it's I definitely wouldn't take it back. Like it's yeah, like it, realizing that I could just walk away because I didn't agree with how someone was treating me it was a big thing for me at the time, mm-hmm. a real big thing. So yeah, that's I'm sort of glad in a way that it happened. Yeah, it's like. I mean, there's loads to pick up from that, from that, Glenn. But I mean, some of the major things, obviously, yeah, you walked away. But you know what? You walked away on your terms because you could see that it was the right thing to do. And it was the bigger thing to do, to be honest. Um, but I think a lot of that decision came from, obviously, you know, you probably recognize, recognize sorry, a lot of behaviors and traits from the way that the kind of, you know, the atmosphere was in the welding industry. And you're talking about like bullying and everything like that there to a degree, you probably recognize a lot of those character traits in the way that Johnny was conducting himself to a point that you thought, you know what, I recognize this. I've seen this before. I'm not, I'm not about this. So it's time I'll, for me. I'll be honest with you, Adam. It was more the behaviors I seen in Johnny. I recognized in myself when I was a young bloke. Okay. Like, like the sort of narcissism and the insecurity and the constant lying and, and bigging yourself up. And like, I looked at it and it sort of repulsed us in a way because I remember how much I fucking hated myself when I was that kind of person, when, when like maybe mm. not to the same degree or maybe to the same degree in some scenarios. But I remember looking at it and being like, I can't be around this. And it's, 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 it's one thing that it exists and that I sort of used to be that way. But now that it's targeted at me, I understand yeah. that like how I must have made everyone else feel when I was acting very similar. So for me, it was like, I can't be around this. Like, yeah. this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't good mm-hmm. for my mental health and it's, it's not good for me to see and have it. So like there was times where I tried to speak to him and like sort of address his behavior. And it was just like, meet, like it was probably met with like the same sort of cynicism that I would have had as like 19, <laughs> yeah. 20 year old, you know what I mean? Except like talking to my friends about what was going on. And like, obviously you always want some like, Oh, well I used to act this way. So it's sort of, I feel like it's justified and like, no, no, you, you were 19 or 20 when you acted that way. He's like 35, 36 is a big yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was just, it wasn't so much recognizing what I'd seen other people do. It was watching him do things that I know I used to do. And mm-hmm. like, when you have like those thoughts, like when you just have those like thoughts in the shower and you think back to something you did and you fucking yeah. cringe at it. <laughs> it was like, it was like that, but every day, but being around like, being around like what you could have eventually turned into if you hadn't mm. steered your course of action. It's like watching it and it's like, oh my God, it's fucking, it's hard to be around. So for me, it was just, mm. this guy's been a prick to me. He just seems like a pretty bad dude to be around in general. I'm just going to get away from it rather than cause a load of drama and a load of issues. I'm just going to walk away from it, you know? But what's self-reflection though, Glenn? Like that's one big thing that I'm always a big advocate of. It's like reflecting back on experience and seeing where you've come from and what you've gained from that and what you perhaps have gained like, 
inadvertently from that. So obviously yeah. a lot of people could have gone down the route of, you know, recognizing similar character traits in him and almost try to buddy him to a way because, oh yeah, I'm in the same type of culture. I'm the same type of person. Let's try and dominate this situation, which is always leads to some form of toxic mess, to be fair. Whereas you've kind of gone, you know what? And we all have them horrendous showers. Like we all do when you stand and you think, Jesus Christ, like, did I even say that? Did I do that? What was I even on about in like going on like that? And yet you decided to distance yourself from that. And that is huge. That's a huge thing. And that's really big. And you should be proud of that, man. Because I think one of the really interesting points of that story as well is when you go on about Max, you know, and like, I think that conversation that you had with Max probably is like a, you know, a stepping stone and like a changing point for your entire life, like to get you to on, on the road that you're on now, really, is when he said, look, I can see qualities in you that you'd make a really good coach, you know, that you can really impart knowledge, you can help people develop and that you're patient with people, you know, and that probably it's probably nothing that's ever kind of filtered in your mind because no one's ever probably said that to you until that point. And that's when you've gone, you know what? Yeah, I can do this. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he, that's probably given you, that's probably like light of the fire in you to go, you know what? Absolutely. I'm on board with this. So for all that, you know, there was that bit backwards and forwards and, you know, that's fine. But that moment, I think has probably been tri- incredible, sorry, to get you on the path that you're on now, which is obviously online coach. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right here now, man. So, I mean, obviously talk to us a little bit about this, Ben. So first of all, if you started like, so you're a personal trainer at JD Gyms. Is that that's where you started, right? And then you know yeah. now well, you've so gone, you've gone from there every, to your own business. Everything closed down again. Like all the mm. gyms closed down again in December, which is when. So I decided to leave Serenity in January, basically just again just because of the way Johnny was treating us. I was like, right, I've had enough, so I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. And then because the gyms were closed, it's not like I could go. I, like I wasn't able to work, so I um I started working as a welder again for a job in Middlesbrough. Again, it paid the bills. I was that really highlighted getting back into the welding really highlighted to me that A, I could still do the job. B, I was still good at it. But C, I definitely didn't want to fucking do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I was easily the happiest person on job and I could and like I could see how miserable everyone everyone else was. And towards the end of it, I could feel it fucking sinking into me because you're not immune to your environment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, I need to be away from this. But my girlfriend had got her job in jamaica and she was supposed to go out in april but all the flights had been canceled because of covid so she'd already quit her job so she had a month off so because she'd gotten the job and she was supposed to go out in april i quit my job to be with her okay for like the last couple of weeks but then when it got moved back to may wasn't like oh well i'll go back to work then i was like fucking let's still stay off so me and her just the money i saved up me and her just sort of had six weeks where we just chilled out and did our own thing and just sort of spent every day together because I think we're just trying to not address the fact that she was going and we're just trying to make the most of the time we had together. Nice. Yeah, I was sick. We had a class time, to be fair. But then coming towards the end of it, as the gyms opened back up again, I was like, right, I'm going to have to start looking for a job. And I got my, my PT qualification all finished up and I got speaking to the manager, Liam at JD. And obviously they just opened back up again. And he was like, I was saying like, oh, well, like I'm just qualified. He's like, like level three PT. It's, I'd be looking at places. He's like, oh, well, are you looking for a job? I was like, yeah, so... I had my CV in and then had my interview with them and I loved them. They loved me. So that was just like, like they wanted us to start straight away. But I was like, right, well, my girlfriend, like, so I had my interview in April, I think it was. And I said, look, my girlfriend leaves and she goes like right at the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. So I could start May 6th, May 7th, I think it was. And because she leaves the week after, so I could have a week, get myself settled in. I didn't really expect myself to be picking up any clients within the first week. I was like, I'll just get myself settled in and get to know everyone. And that'll be that. But, my first week, I think I picked up like something like seven or eight clients. Like oh, wow. I was just, yeah, I was just on the floor and just chatting to everyone. And there wasn't really that many PTs there at the time. And 
because I was just on the front and I just got used to speaking to everyone. There's a lot of people who were just getting back into the gyms for the first time yeah. as well since, since the lockdown. So it was sort of just like fishing a barrel for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 it was good because it meant that like as Emily was leaving, I was very able to like go like transition from time with her to my PT stuff. So mm. I went down to London with her and seen her off. And then as soon as I came back, like as the separation anxiety was kicking in, I had, I had a lot to focus on career wise, yeah. you know? And yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good. Like uh, Max wanted to, wanted me to work with him, but he just taken on a few new PTs to sort of fill the position that he'd offered me. Mm. He's like, like, Oh, I wish he's like, I really wish I could take you on. He's like, he's saying like, look, I'm, I'm going to be doing like some other gyms or if, if a spot comes up in the future, like it's hundred percent got your name on it. So he's like, but, but it was his sort of recommendation. He was like, maybe go for like one of the bigger gyms because like a JD or an exercise for less or whatever, because you'll sort of see how things are run there. So that when you come to more like a private gym, you'll sort of be a bit more grateful and a bit more thankful for like the way we run things in comparison. But yeah. the reality is that the, the guys I worked with at JD were sound. Like you think for like a big corporate gym, it'd be like super rigid, super strict. Like as long as you did like your shift hours and you weren't not like dicking around, like the managers were really good. Like I, um, I'd, coached one of the managers like when, when i first left for jamaica i was i was like coaching him but it's like something he wants to continue but it fucking he's got a whole financial thing he's got to <laughs> but um yeah. he was loving it. he was like he's like he's like i'm really impressed with all of this he's like i 100 want to keep this going you know and it was like like everyone there was like sort of willing to listen to us because i came in with a very different perspective on health and fitness than what the large majority of the fitness industry has so and there was those people that were taking my advice on board and then noticing improvements, even though they'd been PTs for like seven, eight years already. They're like, like, you know what it is? Like, oh, you're a bit mad just eating steak and eggs. And I started eating more steak and eggs and I've got way more energy. I feel class. I'm like, I'm sleeping yeah. way better. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I don't just do it for the shits and gigs. Like <laughs> it works, you know? Yeah. So like when you're helping people who've worked in the industry for like so long already, you're like, oh shit. Like what I actually know is, is beneficial to people, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then the, obviously the plan was for me to just come out to Jamaica just for a week or two weeks just to see Emily while she was while she was working over here and then and then go home and the realization sort of sunk in that if I was going to come home I'd probably regret it I'd probably mm-hmm. be like what did I come home for like this is this is shit so I started looking into how I could t- t- transform my one-to-one business into online coaching and I'm not going to say it's it's, it's easier than I thought because it's not. It still t- requires a lot of work, but it's still work I enjoy doing. So I don't. None of it's stressful. Yeah. Like, even if I'm on my computer all day, I, like because I'm talking to my like my clients feel like my clients, and I feel like responsible for all of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like I don't have deadlines in my head in the sense that like oh I need to get this done by Friday. I'm like I need to get this done now. <laughs> like yeah. Like, <laughs> if someone's got a program, I'm like need to get this program done now and sent out to them. If someone's got the nutrition, they've got an issue. I need to get it done now, and it just. Yeah. piles up that way but i just feel like i like i wake up half five in the morning but because mm-hmm. i'm six hours behind i already wake up to a load of texts a load of messages so <laughs> i'm on the phone straight away like replying to people and like right yeah i've got to go train but i'll get this done as soon as i get home and my clients are super understand and they obviously understand the crack but i feel like the relationship we've got at the moment is everything's going really well for them like the results and and they're falling in love with the programs and the training because i'm putting in that effort Mm-hmm. And as much as Emily probably doesn't want me on my phone, as soon as I wake up, <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, no, I'm still growing this thing. Yeah. Like, I, what did I say to her this morning? Um, Cause I was busy all day yesterday and she was like, oh, you're going to go in the sun. Cause I basically I just sat on my computer all day. And she was like, oh, you're actually going to go outside in the sun today. And I was like, Emily, <laughs> like I'm, 
I'm trying to convince strangers on the internet to give me money. It's fucking <laughs> difficult, you know, like, like there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm not mm. just sat on my ass doing nothing. I'm like, I'm, I actually have to show people that I'm worth the money before they'll give me anything. And that, that funnily enough requires me having like being in the DMS for like maybe an hour, two hours. At some point I was, I was on, I was on a call yesterday with, um, with a young lass for like an hour and a bit, just basically she, she had a massive list of ailments. Yeah. And basically explaining how I had very similar issues and how I cured it through this very sort of controversial diet. And, you know, she's trying the low FODMAP stuff and she's still having issues and she's getting tested for celiac, which is probably what I fucking got. And so I explained all this to her and I'm like, I was on the phone for an hour and, but I'd, I'd been on client calls before that. So I think I'd been on the phone for like three hours before I even got to her call. Right. I had an hour conversation with her when you had four hours just speaking to people. Like I'd, Soon as soon as I finished the call, I just got in bed and fell asleep because I was just yeah. fucked. You know what I mean? I was absolutely <laughs> done in. And then yeah. um, Emily's come in and being like, "Oh, like what have you done all day?" And I was like, "Well, I've programmed and I've spoken to people, and I know to her that doesn't sound like a lot because I've just been in the house all day." But like, it takes it out. Yeah, it's a lot, you know. Yeah, no, I mean it's mentally draining for all that. I mean that's so much. There's so much more about it than what people ever will realize, Glenn, unless you're doing it. You know what I mean? Unless you oh, sit yeah, down yeah. with somebody and you're like, right. You know, if we had like a day in the life of Glenn Paul, do you know what I mean? Like it would literally be like, right, I get up at half five, which as you say, you're six hours you know, behind. So there's already loads going on anyway where people are contacting you. And it's not just one person. You've probably got a list of people that you've got to get back to. And then each person requires a different amount of like, you know, length of time and commitment in that particular stage of their progress of wherever they're up to. And then that's just maybe phone calls. You've got emails, you've got like you know, probably text messages to reply. You probably, you know, you, you'll have like a plethora of different things. As you said, like you were talking to a young last there, what, for an hour and a half? And I mean, yeah, that's probably, probably like that, yeah. And that's like an hour and a half out of your day. Do you know what I mean? Like straight away, bam, which I know that's your job and I know you want to help people develop and that's the incredible part of it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be taxing on you mentally. Like you'll be mentally fried by the time you hit that bed and you must just be out like each night. Yeah, it's like it's sort of I'm getting like proper old in my age because I'm sort of in bed for nine. Like the sun will set quite early here. So the sun sets for mm. about seven, half seven. Emily will generally get in about that time and we'll eat. We'll just sort of talk about with days and then we're asleep. And like I said to her the other day, I've moved like thousands of miles across the earth to basically just be with her for three hours every night, which is I actually prefer it. I think it's dope. I think it's glad that I've made that move because the the time we spent apart we put in an insane amount of effort to still speak to each other mm. so like she would wake up at six in the morning so she could speak to me for an hour before she went to work and i wouldn't book in any clients and i would keep my day free at 12 o'clock every day so that we could talk mm-hmm. she was off on a thursday so i wouldn't book anyone in for a thursday i would just talk to her so it's like the the extra couple of hours i'm getting with her every day was, is more than what i was getting when i was back home so it's, it's sound and mm. not having things around me like being having to be on the gym floor or or people texting us asking if I want to do stuff or having anything to distract us it's worked out because I get to put all of my time and attention into just what I'm doing now and I find myself like if I feel myself doing anything except working on my coach and I'm like just just work on it just just get back to work do your pro like if you haven't actually got work to do then I'm on Instagram and I'm, I'm thinking of content I can put out which mm-hmm. is like that's a lot more difficult than I ever thought it was going to be because yeah. I was never, I was never really a massive a social media person, but uh, <laughs> just constantly thinking like, oh, I have to put this out. I have to put this out. But I found that if I just take inspiration from the conversations I have with my current clients, so if they've mm-hmm. got an issue with something, I'm just like, Oh, I could talk about that. Cause if they're struggling yeah. with it, chances are someone else is. Yeah. And then I generally get pretty good feedback in my DMS from someone who's just started following us. Like, Oh, 
I read all of these posts and they actually mm-hmm. actually helped me out a lot. And you're like, whether they sign on or not isn't an issue. If like someone's read something that you've sort of put out there and it's actually mm-hmm. made their day or their week or whatever a little bit easier, you're like that was that little hour spent fucking home shit at the computer has actually become sort of worthwhile, you know? Mm. That must be the biggest reward, Glenn, I think from all of it. Yes, I know, you know, you run a business. I mean, you work bloody hard for it. Let's be real. Yeah, you're on the other side of the country, of the world, sorry. Um, but I think <laughs> one of the biggest things, you know, it's kind of, you know, I've never been a coach, but I have done teaching, as you know, like in the, you know, in the past, like I did do a teaching degree. And one of the biggest rewarding things for me was that seeing people develop. So I always remember like there was one particular, because I obviously taught like performance, you know, I was in like the performance stratosphere. And I remember one girl that I taught who went from being very shy, literally didn't say anything in a classroom to by the end of the year had a lead role on stage. And that was because of the development that I and my mentor had helped with, like to develop her in terms of confidence growing. And that for me was so damn rewarding. And I don't think there's a price you can put on that really. And like kind of that helps you to develop as well. So, I mean, you must get that, you know, in buckets in terms of when you've got clients who must be, you know, come from all different levels of knowledge in terms of what they know about exercise, nutrition, everything like that. And yet you get them to a point where they might've come to you with an issue or something like that. And then you've helped them through that. So, I mean, that must be so rewarding for you, right? It's, um, it's, I was thinking this the other day, there's, there's clients who just come into it and immediately buy into the process and do every single thing that I ask them. And they're mm-hmm. all over it and they're an absolute dream to coach there's no issues <laughs> requires very little effort on my half all i have to do is give them exercises comment on the videos that they send me make sure that they're doing the, the tech the techniques correctly and they're like they're super keen they'll be like oh can i can i book you in for a call just just so, just so i can understand what i'm doing with this and yeah like why that's because they're saying like they want to add more so i had like i was, had calls yesterday where they were asking about the nutrition and want to add more food in so I explain them why the diet is the way that, that it is. And if they want to add more things in, like these are the things that I would add in and why. And they were like, oh, like, yeah, I didn't really think about all of that. So now I just keep it the same. And you're like, and you're like all right, that's fine. <laughs> they just like, they're super dialed into it. But then I've got people who, it's not that they don't trust the process and it's not that they don't trust me, it's that they don't trust themselves. Mm. And they self-sabotage massively. Mm. Like as soon as they start feeling themselves progressing towards a goal or towards an outcome where they aren't the same as what they are now, there's almost this resistance that they must feel on the inside where they, for whatever reason, don't feel like they deserve to be happy or they feel like they don't deserve the results they're working towards and they'll just fuck everything up for themselves. And like, I'm not going to say it's frustrating. It's the wrong word because it's got to be more frustrating to be them than it is to deal with them. And that's why I always try and remember that what they're going through internally is worse than what I'm going through trying to coach them. I have to, I've made it sort of my job or my role in essence to help, put these people together so that they feel more like they feel like they actually deserve to get fit. They deserve to get healthy. That's what she said yesterday. Yesterday it was bless her. And I felt like she was like, Oh, when, when you've, when you spend every day, not liking yourself, it's hard to just hear that there's going to be a way to like yourself. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I feel you, you know, I get, I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, the, as much as the guys who come in and just hit the ground running and just smash it all as good as it is watching them get results following your program. Cause you're like, yeah, like I know the shit works. Like they, they get results off it. The, the real awesome part of it is when someone who like Ralph bless him, one of my clients, he struggled to even go to the gym. Couldn't even go to the gym. Yeah. Like that was like a massive issue for him just even getting in there. So yeah. his program when we started was super Billy basic, you know what I mean? And I, I remember like trying to, push him and push him into increasing the intensity of his program because it was just 
to get up in there at first. And he was yeah. doing the same program for like two or three months before he was ever really ready to add any intensity at all. And I basically sort of hadn't heard from him when he was missing check-ins and I sort of just, I didn't give him an ultimatum, but I basically said, look, look, dude, I feel like I've actually done everything I can at this point. And mm-hmm. I feel like you need to realize that this is on you. And cause he never complained. He never said that the service wasn't working. He just, he just wouldn't do the things. And then he would bury his head and just would ignore my texts and mm-hmm. sort of said, I'm like, look, I just basically broke down what was going on with the, with the working relationship. And I was like, look, like you're tied in for three months and that's coming to an end. If you want it to end, you want it to end and we'll just not carry on forward. But, I was like, the reason I like working with you, mate, is because I see a great potential within you for you to achieve all these things. Because I didn't tell you what your goals were. You told me what they were. And I just said, right, well, you need to do these things. The things I laid out for you were the bare minimum that you need to do. And if you're not doing them, you're wasting your own time and you're wasting mine. So like, mm-hmm. if, if the relationships you want to, is something you want to carry on, like these are, I'm going to get you to do these things for me. And he sort of didn't reply. It was for about a week. And then he got back in touch with us. And he was like, right, I've just decided to, to not do any of the things you told me. I feel worse. He's like, the only time I ever felt like I was actually working towards something or feeling good about myself was when I was following the things that you told me to do. So he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going like, to do the things that you've asked me to do. He did. He probably consistently kept up with it. And he's had, he's had up and down moments. But when he's, when he's had like moments where he's just been in the gym all week and he's, he fills his check-in form in and he says like, oh, I've, I've, I've done everything that you've asked this and feeling a lot better and I'm, I'm getting, I'm doing better at work and I've got more energy. And it's like, it's all these things that I've told them that he will have, but mm-hmm. with people like that, it's an abstract idea at first. Like mm-hmm. I can say, Oh, you'll feel better. You'll have more energy. You'll, you'll be happier. But if someone's never experienced what it's like to have more energy or they've never experienced happiness, or they don't like who they are, you telling them that they will experience all these things is just an idea, but they have no reference point to what that actually feels like. Mm-hmm. So I was saying to him like, the reason you're not getting these improvements is because you're not sticking to the plan for longer than like two or three days. Mm-hmm. All you need to have is one good week. If you just do what I tell you for a week, then you'll have a reference point of, oh, I actually got to the end of the week and I felt a lot better. I actually mm-hmm. understand what he meant because I did have more energy. I was sleeping better. I did feel happier. And once you've got that reference point and go, right, how good you felt after that one week. If you keep it up for two weeks, you'll feel twice or three times as good. He's like, mm. all right, I'll give it a go. So he does it for just one <laughs> week or two, you know? And yeah. once he's got that reference point, it just multiplies from there. But mm-hmm. some people come into it super keen, super focused because they're like, right, no, this is what I want. I'm super excited to do it. Whereas some people come into it with sort of gritted teeth and they're doing mm-hmm. it in spite of themselves. They're doing it because they're not happy, but in, in a way they don't feel like they deserve to be happy. And then you, you, they sort of become your problem. But that's sort of what you sign on for as a coach. I think anyway, is like, is, these people can't get their shit together and they're, they're asking you to help them. Yeah. And yeah, it's rewarding, man. It is, it is dope. It's a good thing to do. Absolutely, man. I think the best form of PT and, and coaching is all about that. You know what I mean? Everything you just said there, Glenn, like I'm not just saying this, it's incredible. You know what I mean? It's like, it's great to hear because as I said, the best PTs out there, the best coaches out there make their rewards and success about how well their clients have done. They don't turn it into ego or narcissism, which unfortunately we do see sometimes in the industry, which is a shame. But, yeah, you see it in everywhere though, don't you? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not even just that like PT and you do see that everywhere, unfortunately, but this is the nice kind of seeing this on the other side, seeing that, you know, when you, the story you just told me there about that guy, fantastic. That is the perfect example of something so damn rewarding because you helped him on his journey and the success of that is this great result now that he's got in his life, you know, and that's what makes it worth it, man. Absolutely. I love that shit. Um, I mean, so kind of on your journey, Glenn, so if we go right back to like, you know, 2013 Glenn, I guess, right up to present day and even beyond, if you want to go further back, 
What would you say has been the main thing on this whole kind of journey you've been on now? And you're still going on now. What would you say has been the biggest thing that you've discovered about yourself? I don't know anything and that all of the times where I felt certain that I did mm. was when I was at my most unhappy. And the more I realize I don't know what I'm talking about and that there's shitloads to learn or more often mm. more to unlearn and break mm. free from the condition and that sort of I felt societally pressured on me is, is the sort of path to happiness. You know, I sort of realized, well, I, was, I, I did um, dimethyltryptamine, which is like DMT, did that last year. And I went into it with like, super atheistic opinions on reality and life. And I came away from it being like, right, there's definitely a God because I've just seen it and I understand it. Like, <laughs> like there's my whole, my whole fucking worldview is just being flipped upside down and I have to refigure all of this stuff out. And it's, it's opened my eyes to like, there's a lot more going on than we really want to acknowledge because when we acknowledge things that there is no possibility of ever understanding, there's no way of ever fathoming it. It sort of scares people because the idea of knowing or the idea of certainty gives them a, a sense of security and a sense of comfort. But what I've, what I've found over the last few years is the more I make choices that put me into the unknown and put me into areas where everything's sort of chaotic, that's where I thrive. That's where I really like develop myself as a person. So by just sort of acknowledging that I don't really know what I'm going on about and that the only way I'm ever going to learn is just by going out and experiencing, experiencing things. And if I've already made my mind up about something, I'm, more than likely going to be proven wrong at some point. So mm. rather than going, I know this for certain, I can go, I, I think this because of this reason, but I don't know. Like I don't actually know anything. Like mm. and that's, that's been the biggest thing for me. It's just sort of letting go of that ego, mm. really. Letting I love go that. Of that like certainty. Yeah, I love that. That always willingness to learn, right? But as right. well, you know, it comes into that going, I mean, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, I'm like, stepping out of my comfort zone, I'm going to this. And I think what the way you've described it there, which is excellent for me, is the way that, you know, some people do that and it's a temporary thing. And then they go back to familiarity because like, oh, well, that was nice. Here we are, we're back now. You actively seek that. And that's a continuous process. And I think that's so important for self-development for anything like this. You know, like that, it, it isn't just a temporary thing. That was nice for a month, but now we're back to reality. Keep it going because remember what you learned in that moment and remember how much more potential you've got to learn from other moments out there if you actively continue to pursue them. And I think that's so important what you've said there, that you continuously do that. And that's so important, man. Well, I think, I think like, um, I was thinking this the other day, like one of the most important things I got into when I was young was training. And I, it didn't, I got into it for all the wrong reasons, as most people do, just for like vanity and whatever <laughs> else, you know, like yeah. I grew up, I grew up in school as like the skinny kid who couldn't with very low self-esteem. So going from the skinny kid with low self-esteem to a kid who's in pretty good shape with still low self-esteem, but it comes across as arrogance mm -hmm. or, or, or a cocksure confidence is, you know, <laughs> it's a big difference. But yeah. the one thing I sort of learned was that was undeniable was um, growth comes from stress. Like whether you put yourself under stress and you're training, your muscle grows. What I found was like actively seeking out like new things and things where, I didn't, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing, but if I was okay with being a beginner, if I, was, I didn't worry about how I was judged for not knowing, I just totally went into it just to give it a go. I came out of it a lot better as a human being. And I sort of realized that all of these ideas and concepts I had about myself and existence were, were based on, I don't know, man, just nothing at all. Just my mm. opinions were other people's opinions just regurgitated, you know, like mm. I, I would read things that other smart people would say. And I'd be like, yeah, that's, that, that makes people sound smart. I'll remember <laughs> to say that to people and present yeah. it as my own, but mm. that, that never helped us with 
feeling happier or fulfilled. It never helped us with my relationships with people in general. You know, if, if anything, mm. I like, I think back to like, I would, I, I would go to like places and parties or whatever with like ideas and topics that I would like already have like picked out in my head that I could talk about because I would know things about them and it would make me seem smarter. Mm. Whereas now I just go to social situations, like, excited to hear what everyone else or everyone else's experiences you know what i mean i like yeah, yeah. i always go in, i go in every like situation thinking like i'm the least interesting person in this room i'll go and talk to all these people like th- these people have got like cool stuff to tell me yeah and yeah it's cool that man that changes the whole it flips the whole thing it's like you know a lot of people go to situations like that because oh what can i go and tell everybody and the reality is you're there what can i learn from everybody and that's a completely different way to step into a room all together and i love that every opportunity is a learning opportunity and when you can grasp it and see it that is incredible man and speaking of learning opportunities glenn so this section i call oh, that was de- a lovely segue <laughs> lovely segue <laughs> well you're dealing with a profesh oh, um, so this is Jesus. the section this is the section i call that uh, geek out with a guest so this is one of my favorite sections of the podcast so prior to this I asked Glenn to pick out five of his favorite, not necessarily the top five, but just five of his favorite books that have really influenced him and helped him to think about things in certain ways. There are some on here that I recognize really well, and it'll be interesting to chat about, but let's just run down the list, Glenn. So I'll just read them out, and then you can kind of give me an oversight as to why you really chose these books, yeah? So we have How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, so that is by Donald Robertson. We have uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. We have 12 Rules for Life, Dr. Jordan Peterson. Uh, We have Atomic Habits by James Clear. And we have The Courage of Being Disliked, uh, which is Fumitake Koga and uh, Ikairo Kishim, I believe that's how it's pronounced. So yeah, all right. So Glenn, talk me through these books. Incredible list, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. All of them are sick. Um, The first one, it was... uh... So obviously that was all from like my Instagram post that I sent you a yeah, while back yeah. um, on books that will help transform your mind. And I wanted to put in Marcus Aurelius's meditations because I listen to it all the time. I've read it like 13 or 14 times. Easy, easy. I, was, I had it on in the shower this morning, like the audible version. Yeah. And, but the reason I picked how to think like a Roman emperor instead of the meditations was how to think like a Roman emperor is a book all about Marcus Aurelius. And I read that first. That's how I found out about the meditations. Was, right. Was, they would pull quotes and stuff from his meditations and talk about where he got it from and all this sort of thing. But I, I, th- I always say to people, read that book first because having some context about who Marcus Aurelius was, the things that he did and how he decided to live, even though he had like, because he was an emperor of Rome, he had the ability to be as corrupt as any other emperor at that time, you know, but he decided to be this stoic emperor who took his responsibility of his role so seriously that when he died, apparently you could hear people wailing in the hills for like days on end, just crying their eyes out because he was so beloved, you know, and, Mm. and the, the, just the, like the things he let go and the, 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 the things he forgave and, and, and how it, how it like, for, for me reading that and realizing that that level of person could exist, it, it gave me something to aspire to because if you could be an emperor of Rome and still be that good just by resting on the back of philosophy and not your basic daily impulses and not your desires, learning how to control them, like that's everything I was searching for mm-hmm. in a big way. And reading that book changed a lot for me, like a mm-hmm. lot. It got me on this path of just like hyper-focus on on not so much self-development because I think that's we I think that's how we look at it. We look at it as self-development, but it's not. It's it's about 
pulling apart all the pieces of you that you don't like, finding out where they come from and then just, just getting rid of them and just focusing on being better rather than beating yourself up about what you've been and, and what you've done. It's more just focusing on, right, go, I can't change any of that. It's in the past. The past doesn't exist in the same way. The future doesn't exist. The, the present moment is how both are defined. And if I act mm. right in the present moment, it means the past was worthwhile because it led to this point. And then it means the future is going to be built on how I act now. And if I act good, it can only be good. Whether, whether it's for me or for everyone else, it'll only be better. So that's what got me on the sort of journey I've been on over the past couple of years was that, that book, Big Style. Awesome. Um, yeah, that was sick. Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, it was a toss-up between that one or You Are the Placebo. That was the first book I ever read, which made me completely throw away all connotations of what I thought existence was and and what I, like, for me, I was a very scientific person, whatever some scientist or study said. I was like, right, that's fact. Whereas... <laughs> reading this book and reading the things that people went through and whether it's anecdote or whatever, I, I don't really care because I was reading it. I was like, this is phenomenal. Like this is genuinely, if, if what this guy is saying is legit, it's way too important to pretend like it's bullshit just because of how it makes me feel about my already preconceived notions of the universe. Like if what this guy's saying is way more going on and I would much rather live in that guy's universe than the universe I've decided already exists. And, the that book got me into meditating and meditating like changed again a lot for me like and mm. so that's that's why i picked that book out because it, it goes through the neuroscience and the quantum physics of of like meditation and he goes through these anecdotal stories in the second part of the book where like how people have changed their lives through meditation and manifestation and all this stuff you, you could like that's the second part of the book and there's some incredible stories there of like how people have really transformed themselves just through thinking better and how much yeah. your thoughts control what you are. And then the third part mm. is the pra practical element where it teaches you how to properly meditate and how to really think and create a life for yourself that you actually want and how to, and how to go about doing it. So it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, the, you are the placebo, the other book that he's got talks about how, like what the placebo effect really is and how, what it actually proves is that everything exists within our bodies already to heal ourselves. And as long as you fully believe that something will heal you, it will. It's not that you know what I mean? Because like, yeah, yeah, you do these placebo trials where someone will have a pill and the placebo will work as effectively as the actual drug, and it's like, well, how's that happened? Well, it's mm -hmm. because these people have genuinely thought that it's going to make them better, and therefore it does. Yeah, and it's like so. What he talks about is how everything already exists within you to heal yourself. It's it's about learning how to tap into that, and that book was really awesome as well. But for that was just more interesting. Whereas mm -hmm. this breaking the habit of being yourself just shows that. Like you don't have to be a victim of your previous habits. Mm -hmm. You can decide to change them at any point. You just have to start new ones and sort of explains how people have changed their lives and some of the things they manifest into reality just through meditation and, and actually like acting right in the world, you know? Yeah. That's a pretty big one. Yeah, definitely, man. So we got 12 Rules for Life, Dr. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the one that just made me realize that all of my problems were my fault. And that's such a relieving thing to find out because if you're the problem, you're also the solution. Yeah. I realized I could stop blaming everyone else and I could start putting myself together. And I think I read that book, October time, 2017. I'd started watching Jordan Peterson's lectures on mm. YouTube and I start, you know, yeah. I was like, I was thinking, who is this guy? This is like, 
so interesting. And I would just sit and I think I've seen him on Joe Rogan's podcast first. I think that's where I seen him first. And I was like, oh, that guy's really interesting. I saw really got into his lectures and then I bought his book and just hammered through it. And then from sort of the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, it was like I had this glaring realization that I started putting effort into things. I've started putting effort into my own personal development that my life was going to get considerably better. So mm-hmm. I started telling the truth more. I started sorting out the little things that I struggled with. I started I stopped letting them beat me and I stopped, started putting more effort into everything. And I just thought it's not like an overnight thing, which is why I don't expect my clients to be perfect overnight. I, I realized that for me to get where I am now, it was like two and a half years of solid, just like every day. If, if I dropped the ball, I would give myself a load of shit over it and try and work harder up the next day. And I, I realized like, that's what it took for me. And I like a lot of my clients we're working at, working with now we're nowhere are nowhere near as bad as what I was a couple of years ago. So mm. I just I, I see a lot of potential in them because there was a lot of potential in me. So I'm like, well, yeah. I, I can cross-reference the two, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I actually I've read his new book as well. His new book's amazing. I've watched all of his more lectures, rules. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. But the reason I put that one in was just again that that kick started me into where I am today, you know. Yeah, no, massively. It's a great, great shout. And I was so pleased to see on your list. I'm a huge fan, Dr. Jordan Peterson. And I think all of these books in some way talk about um, accountability in a different, like in a certain type of context, but uh, especially like Jordan Peterson, I think, and as well, the next one as well. But I think one of the big things I love about Jordan Peterson is the encouragement of you can better yourself. You know, you've, you've got the capability to do that and he can help you along, but it starts with you believing that you can do that. And I think, you know, there's, as you say, there's hundreds of videos out there on YouTube worth watching of Jordan Peterson, his lectures and when he's been interviewed and everything like that. Yeah. All of it. His biblical studies was like one of the, one, like after I did DMT and I remember watching his biblical studies and, like he has this almost spiritual understanding of what Christianity was. And I became sort of obsessed with it. And I was like, like Christian, like we, we like, we've condemned religion as if it's like this controlling thing, but from what he said and from the way he talks about it, it's, it's not, it's this personal choice. You can choose to do the things the Bible tells you to do and you'll live a better life because of it, or you can go against it and you'll live in your own little personal created hell. Like I think one of the things I picked up from Jordan Peterson was that you don't necessarily have to die to go to hell. You can be alive right here on earth and still be in hell through your personal choices. And I was like, yeah, that's fucking mm-hmm. one point because I've <laughs> been there. Like I know it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, he's incredible. There's such a wealth of knowledge from that man. And as and when he tours again, I'd love to go and see him live speak. Yeah. So, I mean, atomic habits. Now this one for me, I think is genius. I mean, like, you know, they're getting better by 1% rule every day. Just, you know, like, and I can see a lot of your kind of, you know, you did a whole page like on your Instagram all about this particular book and your approach to training. So talk to us about that, man. Yeah. Atomic Habits is one of the books, again, that I've went through a few times just because it helped me like really focus on what I wanted out of life. But it's also, it's given me a lot of good coaching cues. Mm-hmm. It's, give, it's, it's really helped me understand people's behaviors and realizing that they're sort of just, they are uh, outcome of their programmed behaviors that they've just done over a certain period and that there's certain ways to break that habit and having an understanding of that has, has helped me help a lot of people you know so it's for for me it's it's just it's being aware that like you aren't unmotivated you aren't lazy you aren't these things you are just you you are running 90 percent on autopilot Mm-hmm. And until you make a conscious effort to change that autopilot, it's always going to stay the same. Like you're never mm-hmm. going to break away from something subconsciously. You're never just going to stop. You can't wait for things to get better, but there are things you can do to, to change the habit. And 
there's uh, another book, The um, Power of Habit, which talks about like the science of it. And obviously, mm-hmm. Atomic Habits is more like the practical. Yeah. So for me, the, the reason I picked Atomic Habit over The Power of Habit was so that people could read it and actually be able to apply it to their lives in some way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's, that's the reason that one's in there. Yeah, it's an awesome choice, man. I love that book so much. And then uh, the last one, so The Courage of Being Disliked. So I am new to this book, Len, so I know nothing about this at all. So tell me all about it. <laughs> oh, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's, um, I'll not go to, I'll not ruin anything, yeah. but basically uh, it's, there's a philosopher or a monk or whatever, or however you want to portray him. It's the whole book is set as a conversation between him and this young student, this young sort of disciple. And the young student is trying to pick apart every single thing that this old philosopher says. And, and it's just the conversation between them. And you sort of watch how their friendship grows throughout the book. And it's, it's like, it's really genuinely sort of beautiful. It's lovely. But the philosopher is a Japanese philosopher, but he's, he studied and lives his life by sort of um, Adlerian psychology, like uh, Charles Adler's psychology. He sort of explains like why why he lives by that philosophy and and every every single problem that this young lad has. He sort of talks about how he can just view it differently through the through the lens of Adlerian psychology, and, and everything changes. And the thing I took from that book more than anything was how every single negative or positive in every single negative feeling anyone has is because of how they view interpersonal relationships. And if they view interpersonal relationships as vertical is in the sense that some people are above others and some people are below others, then you're going to, you're going to be constantly living in a state of anxiety and depression. But as soon as you view horizontal uh, relationships as horizontal, like that's how you achieve happiness. You realize that everyone essentially is a comrade or a friend and if you mm. were to treat them as such, you will find that you will have more friends in life. Whereas if you treat people as if they are above you, you'll always have anxiety around them. And if mm. you treat people as if they're below you, you'll always be sort of disturbed, uh, perturbed by them, or you'll always be like pissed off by them and will always be like a hassle. Whereas when you realize we're all different, but we're all equal, we're all the same across the board. We've all got our own little unique qualities to life, you know? And, mm-hmm. and um, with it, with it being sort of, Asian themed book that it's, it's got a lot of um, like Taoist principles that get touched on in the book as well, which mm. I was, I was going to put the, um, the Tao Te Ching in there as well, because that's, that's one of the, that's one of my favorite ones at the moment. That sounds great. I love that. Yeah. It's sick. It's really, really cool. It's, and he talks, it's like, obviously the, the title of the book is the, uh, the courage to be disliked, but talks about, you don't need people to like you. If you just view people across the board, if someone doesn't like you, it's got more to do with their relationship with themselves than it does mm. on your personality or, or, or on, your, on the reflection of you as a person. It's just about more accepting people and just, just, just being yourself, just starting to really like who you are and not sort of worrying about how your personal relationships or, or how you're going to be viewed from the outside world. If you're just true and honest and you just work hard at doing the right things and understand why there's people who will like you and there's people who will dislike you. And it's just mm-hmm. like it says, it's, it's having that courage to, to, to have people just not like what, what you are or what you're about and just go, yeah, fine. It's what it is. You don't have to get everyone on your side. You can just be yourself and that's better. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a tough thing sometimes to build that courage, you know, from depending on what background you've come from. It's interesting. Actually, one thing you said there, when you were talking about that, it makes me think of a friend I've got who he does this all the time. It drives me nuts when like he introduces me, well, he'll talk about somebody that I've never heard of before. And then the next line is always what their job title is. And it's like, also his name is, I don't know, John Smith. He's the senior director of blah, 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 blah. 
I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then every single time, oh yeah, he's the managing director, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, is he a good person? What's he into? What's his qualities? I'm not bothered about the job title. And so many people do that, right? They're like, see a job title and oh, this is the type of person. They're great. They're amazing because they've got this. It's like, fuck that. Like, tell me about the person. What are they actually like as a person? What are their qualities? You know, like, what are they into? Like, how do they talk to you? How do they talk to other people? That's the interesting stuff. That's really the person that you want to know about, not a job title, what does that even mean? You know, so that reading that book, that's really, I'm definitely adding that to that list, to my list. And I'm definitely going to check that out. It sounds so interesting. And this is what I mean. Like, this is why I want to ask you this game, because there's a wealth of knowledge I can learn from you. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like stuff like this and conversations like this, this is why I do the podcast, you know, because it's talks that the subline of the podcast is getting to know the best you. And this is why I do, because I love to take from everybody that I have on here and stuff like this, like you've introduced me to a book that sounds right up my street and I can't wait to read it. But again, like I'd like to think that we take from each other in these conversations and that's what it's all about. Right. 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 So that whole thing about um, the people's like job title being the most important thing that just comes down to like his individual value system. So mm-hmm. if it, for him, like it's probably what he does for a living is at the top of his, like, that's at the top of his priority. Like, it's probably mm-hmm. how he introduces himself. The first thing he'll do is say, oh, I'm such and such. I do this. And he'll just start talking about what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, like, how he views other people, like you say, with the relationships, if he does this job, he's higher, he's better. If he does this job, he's lower, he's not as good. Like, yeah. that's, that's the same thing. It's just how he views interpersonal relationships and it'll cause him more stress than, than it causes you having to listen to it. You know, you just sort of yeah. experience it from the outside, but the fact that he sees other people as above him will cause him more stress than, mm-hmm. than anything else, you know? And yeah, I, I, I can always think back to like when I viewed people the same way and now I'll go into, like, if someone was like a, a boss or a gaffer or whatever, I'd be very like quiet, be very careful what I say around them. But now I realize it's just a person and they, they don't have any clue what's going on either. Like just because they've lived longer or they do a certain job doesn't mean they're clued into anything and I can be exactly who I want to be. And if for whatever reason they don't like it, they're going to judge me for it. Fucking let them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, the art have been disliked, right? That's <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, like Glenn, so obviously bringing this kind of to a close, obviously talk to me a little bit about what the future holds for Glenn. So obviously, you know, you've got like, you've got your business, you're over in Jamaica right now, and you know, probably no plans to come back anytime soon, but, uh, or at all. But uh, tell me, yeah, like what, like looking at the future, like what do you think, you know, I know there's a big focus on the present and on the now, but if we look about what you'd like to do and what you'd like to achieve, what's, what's kind of your goals there? Um, so Costa Rica is the next country we're going to. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 so Emily's going to be finished her dive master in November. So we're going to be hanging out in Jamaica until she finishes the dive master. Then we're going to go to Costa Rica. The, um, the lifestyle over there seems to fit my mindset very, very well. Obviously mm-hmm. like it's only abstract. I've never been, I've only looked into it, but yeah. the most biodiverse country on the planet has the most plants and animals there of any other country that exists. They're saying their greeting is Pura Vida, which means pure life. They live very simply. They're all about being happy with what you have and not wanting anything beyond it and just being very focused on the present moment. And again, that just speaks my language, you know? So I'm going to go over there. They also do something called a digital nomad visa. So if you make all of your money online from outside of Costa Rica, they will give you a residency visa for up to two years. And as long as you're still doing it, they'll just renew it indefinitely. You also don't pay any income tax on what you make because they're very happy for foreign nationals to make money from outside of Costa Rica and spend it in Costa Rica. Right. So it, I think we're just going to travel around for a while. If my business is up to the point where I need to be making, I'm going to be making $3,000 a month. So it's 2,200 pounds, which 
I'm not far away from there. So if I put all my time and attention to grow my business while I'm in Jamaica, if I'm ready by the time I get out there, groovy. If not, don't have to worry about it because you can stay there for up to 90 days. We can travel around. If we're still not ready for it by that moment, I think we're going to go to Panama or Belize and do some diving over there. Mm-hmm. And once, you're, once you've been out the country for 72 hours, we can go back in. So as long as I've got somewhere for Wi-Fi connection, I can always work on my business. And I, like, I'm not, mass, I'm not like massive on being this huge conglomerate coach. I don't want any more than like 30 clients because it becomes unmanageable. I want a little group of people who are just sort of bought into the way I train and the way I eat and the way I live my lifestyle. And the people who think, oh, I actually want to work with this guy. He seems all right. I'm working with these business coaches and they're all about like selling and just getting the money up and just don't give a shit, mate. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not like if someone wants to work with me, they want to work with me. If they don't, they don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's all, there's plenty of ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Right? And if anything, I've found that by eliminating my desires in life, making my lifestyle very simple, it doesn't cost a lot for me to live. Yeah. So if all I need is this money so that I can get this visa, I can just sort of drive my client intake up to the point where I'm making that. And then just be like, right, that's it. That's enough. That's more than enough. Mm-hmm. And then I can just provide my clients I've actually got with a good service rather than trying to just take on more people than I need just so I can be fucking making money because money hasn't, I've had money. I've made yeah. money. It hasn't mm-hmm. improved my lifestyle in any way. If anything, it made me, made me dislike my existence less because I was spending all my time just trying to make money than I was actually enjoying my existence. Whereas where I am now, I'm sort of working still sort of four or five days a week, but by the time my afternoons come, all my clients are in bed and asleep. So <laughs> I can just actually have my evenings to myself and I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go train, I'll get all the programming done, I'll do a, deal with whatever I deal with and then I'll try and fish for some clients. I'll speak to people, I'll try and just help people. And, but when I get to the point where I've got 20, 30 clients, I'm not going to be on social media as much, looking to bring more people in. I'm mm-hmm. hoping I can basically just work off referrals and just have a little self-sustaining community going because the, the offer I run for my clients is if they refer someone, I just give them a month, uh, a month of coaching for free. Nice. So if they refer more people into it, they are still getting their coaching. They're still getting the service. This is going to be a part of it. They're just not paying for it yeah. because they're bringing people in from the outside. So mm-hmm. if, if that happens and I've got, if I've got like say 15 clients and they're all bringing people in from the outside, I'll always keep them on. I'll never go, Oh, I'll get rid of them. So I'll always make time for them and make room for them because they're what's keeping the business sustainable. But yeah, if I get 30 clients who are paying me, I don't want any more than that, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's more, that's more than enough money, like way more than enough. Since, since I don't, I don't drink, I don't fucking do drugs unless it's mushrooms. Um, <laughs> and then, so it's like my lifestyle costs next to nothing. My diet's yeah. super clean. All I do is train. Doesn't, I don't, it's not like I'm interested in buying Gucci clothes. I've got, I tra- I, I'm a traveler now, you know what I mean? I've got like a few yeah, desktops, yeah. a few shorts. That's that's it. That's all I need. So. That's all you need, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. As, and- as long as I can afford my plane tickets and some accommodation, mm-hmm. I'm fucking groovy. You're sweet, right? But I mean, yeah, and everything we've just talked about for like, you know, the hour and a half there justifies that blend, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be surprised if you were like, yeah, I'm pushing for the blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. Like, let's go back to everything we've just said for the last hour and a half. <laughs> but, uh, all right, Glenn. So where can everybody find you? So like, tell me about, you know, your social media pages, your website, everything like that. Just pimp it all out. Okay. So I just have my Instagram at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm not going to spend any extra money on getting a website for the sake of it when I want mm-hmm. that money to go towards my lifestyle at the moment. Yep. So you can find me at G Paul Coaching. That's my Instagram handle. Uh, just give us a follow, give us a DM, whatever. If you've got anything going on that you need advice with, I'm more than happy to sort of just talk about your situation and how you might get out of it and how you might improve your situation. That's, that's sort of my bag at the moment. 
Yeah, so there you go, man. So everyone go and give Glenn a follow immediately. So uh, yes, you can find the podcast if you type in Into You Podcast. We're on all platforms, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything. Just type us in, you'll see us there. You can also find me. I am at Strawn87 on pretty much everything. So if you just type that in, you will see my face. So I just want to, again, just say thanks so much, Glenn, for coming on, for taking the time to talk us. I know how busy you are, man. And it's nice just for us to catch up as well, because it's been a while. So yeah, I was saying that so to much Emily. Time. I was saying that to Emily. I was like, as much as it's a podcast format, I'm just actually yeah. excited to go and speak to adam because i think i think what you're doing with like this podcast and everything i follow you on instagram I'm like that's ah, sick mm. i'm like really glad to see you doing well like yeah it's like when you got your driver job i was like get it adam like that's amazing, <laughs> you know what I mean? like everything yeah. like it's cool to see no i appreciate that honestly man i really do appreciate that cheers glenn but um yeah thank you everybody for listening and until next time take care everyone Bye.